Well, this is to go out on the 9th of July, and I'm just recording it now. Afghanistan. I mean, does it matter when it goes out? Things are changing so fast. So fast in Afghanistan. What a miserable, shameful, what a shameful situation. Afghanistan burns and all the blood and treasure that has been wasted in vengeance for 9-11 to little avail. After years of suffering, 9-11 is the symbolic departure date that President Biden has chosen for international forces to leave Afghanistan, but we are so eager to leave that we are done with the place already. We can't wait to go. We've gone. No use crying over spilt milk, was the old saying my grandmother used to, used to tell me. But over spilt blood? Surely that's worth a tear or two as the Taliban take over. The Taliban, a group whose leaders have spent decades in Guantanamo and have little or no knowledge of the modern world, the real world in which they live. They're so out of touch with the population of Afghanistan, a group so misogynistic that they oppress the female sex cruelly. There's no area, no area under Taliban control in which female education, state education is permitted. No area, never mind female education at a junior level, no female education at state education is permitted. There is private female education conducted discreetly in secret, but there's no, there are no state schools functioning for girls in areas under Taliban control. Unbelievable. A group inured to violence to such a degree that for them killing is second nature. Now I know we have a bloody history in Afghanistan. We have bombed ruthlessly and many innocent civilians have been killed in the process. Our use of drones has been an exercise in, in cruelty beyond comprehension. But the Taliban, the Taliban have no ethics when it comes to placing a value on human life. These are the people who will inherit the prize that is Afghanistan at the hands of a corrupt elite that run the place at the behest of the West. It is a corrupt elite. The Taliban have killed countless people with bombings and slaughter in Kabul. And they, they, they used to attack the Western forces. Of course, as soon as the Western forces, as soon as Biden made his announcement, they stopped attacking Western forces and switched their attention to attacking Afghans, their fellow Afghans. The Hazara Shiite minority are a particular groups that they love to kill. They're prejudiced, incomprehensibly prejudiced. And these are the people who will inherit Afghanistan on our watch. We could have done things so much better, but we failed. How could we have done things better? By respecting some of the tribal norms. I mean, in the beginning, the lawyer Jirga chose the then king, the to be ruler of Afghanistan ad hoc for the time being, whilst the place settled after the invasion, the Americans bullied him into rejecting the offer, kept him up. The tale goes at the point of a gun. I'm not sure it was at the point of a gun, but nonetheless, they forced him to to accept the role of father of the people or whatever and, and step aside for their corrupt man, Karzai. 
Karzai, I mean, a staggeringly corrupt and anti-American individual, was given Afghanistan like a ripe plum by the incoming forces. They could have had a different approach. They could have respected Afghanistan's norms of democracy. It's not Western democracy, but they have lawyer jurgers and jurgers, and the jurgers elect Khans, who are their representatives and their spokespersons. A perfectly adequate tribal system with which all in Afghanistan are familiar, and had we respected it and used it, then much of the corruption and decadence that came in with Karzai and with the warlords whom he helped empower. Warlords, drugs barons, these were the men that took over in Afghanistan. What can you do now? Well, Pakistan has huge influence in Afghanistan, obviously, and Pakistan depends colossally on Western aid for its military. Yes, I, I, I think personally that Pakistan could made, be made to toe the line. The Taliban are very close to Iran. They had a huge delegation that went to Iran in January for secret talks. They're very close to Pakistan. Many of them live and have homes in Pakistan because, of course, the Pashto areas of Afghanistan stretch into Pakistan. And many Pashto Pakistanis regard themselves as Afghan. Note that in Afghanistan, the Taliban behave badly towards women. In Pakistan, slightly less so. Female education is allowed on in areas under Taliban control in Pakistan. So where are we going with this? I mean, there are a lot of things that can be done. I would personally like to see some little flowers plucked from the dung heap. If Western aid money could be given to some farming scheme whereby we subsidized pomegranate production and uh, almond production and so on, uh, to, uh, massively, I mean, so that those were as productive in terms of income for farmers as producing heroin poppies. That would be not a bad thing. And that could be done, even though the Taliban are taking over. I mean, when I say taking over, they've taken over. Back in late June, well, the, the, by, by the third week of June, Taliban had taken over 69 of the country's 407 districts, including the border crossing with Tajikistan. That, in addition to the ones they already controlled, that meant that back in the third week of June, they held 142 districts and were fighting for control of about 170 more. Now, of course, this is proceeding at such an exponential rate that Taliban control well over half of Afghanistan, well over half of Afghanistan. The U.S. are planning to evacuate around 50,000 people. They'll have to evacuate rather more, I suspect. So we can snatch flowers from the dung heap. We can do something about the problem of heroin. I mean, Afghanistan provides, it's become a drugs center with three routes out, north, south, and middle, north via Russia, center via Turkey, south via the Arabian Gulf and down into Africa and across the, the, the world's heroin production comes from Afghanistan and because it's become such a center for the criminal production of heroin it's now become the center also for designer drugs because they can work there with impunity and the Taliban have raked it in. Of course years ago the Taliban used to stop drugs production but they don't seem to care anymore now they'll exploit any means in their power. It's a tragedy. So we could snatch that flower from the dunghill because I 
I believe in the decriminalization of drugs. I think the way Portugal has gone has been successful when it comes to drugs like heroin. And heroin is a terrible drug, terrible drug. People get aggressive when they can't get it. I would rate heroin as just about as bad as excessive alcohol. We have a big problem with alcohol abuse amongst the young in the West. And heroin and designer drugs from Afghanistan run into close second, really. We have to find a way to deal with this. But one way is to help deal with it at source. I think there should be a a distinction with regard to the kind of financial package, the aid that's delivered to Afghanistan. I mean, the aid, the aid that does not go to the government should continue in some shape or form. For instance, teachers. I mean, the Taliban won't allow female teachers to be employed. That's a major problem. But we should pay teachers' salaries, even if the female teachers are furloughed, so that the principle is maintained. I mean, that kind of aid can continue. It's not impossible, even under the Taliban. Look, Bashar al-Assad Syria pays the salaries of teachers and government employees in Kurdish-controlled areas where the government does not hold sway. In Libya, the central bank pays the salaries of civil servants in areas that oppose the, the internationally recognized government. I think you have to allow some some continuation of aid. Otherwise, we truly betray the Afghan people. I mean, we have treated them cruelly. We have abused them cruelly. We are the gross abusers of humanity. We're in the West. It's extraordinary when you go to the UN Human Rights Council. Everybody slags off the third world. Human rights is used with a, as a stick to bash the third world. And few, few criticize ourselves. The darling of the West, Barack Obama, the 44th president of the United States of America, who ruled the free world from 2009 to 2017, promised to close Guantanamo and didn't do it. And didn't do it. That would have at least set some sort of standard with regard to human rights. What could be done? I mean, it would be good if the the West actually put some value on women's rights. They have been ignored in the so-called peace negotiations to a degree. There are only four women in the government delegation, no women in the Taliban delegation to Doha. Women's rights have been shoved under the table as if we didn't care about them. There's still symbolic gestures that could be made. Kamala Harris, who has her residence in observatory circle in Washington, um, as, as the U.S. vice president, she could invite a delegation of Afghan women, Afghan and Pakistan, maybe women. Yeah, that might be good to to Washington to show that the West actually cares. I mean, to show in some really public and tangible way that the West cares. Do we care? Or is our um, women's rights something that, wow, you know, we weep crocodile tears about. Don't really matter to us, do they? There are things that can be done. There are flowers that can be plucked from the ashes. There are people will have to will have to stay and deal with the Taliban. I mean, not everybody can run, you know. The rich, corrupt ones, maybe. The ordinary people of Afghanistan have to live under these nasty people. They won't allow female judges or female in the judiciary of any kind. They're going to have a supreme high council, a judicial council, and there are no checks and balances over that, and that will run 
Afghanistan, and it will become an emirate, an Islamic emirate, and the secular days will be gone. What I dislike about the Taliban is their exclusivity. I mean, to be fair, there are fighters who are non-Pashtu fighting in the north alongside the Taliban. And to be fair, they are not corrupt like the government that the West put in place. That counts for a lot. It counts for a great deal. But there's no use crying over spilt milk, spilt blood, lost blood and treasure. We need to salvage what we can from the wreckage, and there's a lot we can salvage. We just think fresh about Afghanistan. What we've done has been shameful. President Biden is to blame in significant degree and before him President Trump because these two have identical policies with regard to Afghanistan and it's been a policy of well look after yourself first it's the policy of the West at the moment understandable perhaps we vaccinate ourselves first before the rest of the world we're not willing to lay our lives down as policemen of the world anymore we are becoming nationalists we're becoming parochialists so be it. But we have a duty to be compassionate, and we should always temper our selfishness with some care for others. And we should not walk through the world cruelly, invading nations and then slicing up the population with, as we walk through in the aftermath of our wars of liberation in Libya and Iraq and Afghanistan and wherever we behave so cruelly and abysmally to salve our own self-righteous pride. God help Afghanistan out of the frying pan into the fire. God have mercy on the souls of the Afghans, most particularly their women and children. And please God forgive us for what we have done to them. Thank you.